It's good to be here. It's such an honour to be here. I just really want to talk about sonship this morning. I had called it growing in sonship, and then I changed it to maturing as sons. You can call it whatever you like. It's about sonship. So, uh, so just I know that there's a few people who have been around for a while, and I believe that Pastor Julian shared uh, last week about the revelation of sonship. Um, so I won't go into sonship itself, but I do want to just, just for those of you who, if, if it's a new concept, um, if you've got your Bibles, hopefully you've got your Bibles, is a good place to have your Bibles in church. Turn with me to uh, John 1. Now, can I just say, it's okay to have a laugh in church. And... Uh, it's quite a, um, what's the word? It's quite a sobering message, so I'll, I'll attempt to make you laugh from time to time just to ease it up a bit. <laughs> there you go. It's okay. It's all right. Um, and uh, so in John chapter 1, verse 11, it says, it's talking about Jesus, and it says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, Pastor Julian mentioned it also this morning. It was like he knew he, uh, he was reading my notes, but he mentioned about Romans 8. It talks several times in the chapter, just in Romans 8, it says, from verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. It goes on in verse uh, 19. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And then in verse 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, he being Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, sonship is meant to happen. When we invite Christ into our life and we become saved, it's just the beginning. It's meant to go take us on a journey of sonship. Can we, can we all agree with that this morning? That sonship is, it's there in the Word, it's there in the Bible, it's very clear. Sonship. So the whole, you know, and I want to say this, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. Uh, in this day and age, we talk about gender, no gender, Ooh. This is great because this fits with today's day and age because you know what? Whether you're a man or a woman, the Holy Ghost is trying to form Christ on the inside of you. So we are all called to become sons. It's not gender specific. So, so what we've got to do is realise that His Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Holy Ghost is working to uh, form and shape and mould Christ on the inside of each and every one of us. So we're called to be sons, Amen. So, so likewise, not only do we have the Holy Spirit working with us, we also have spiritual fathers. Now, this might be a, a new concept for some. So, so we're just going to have a look at a couple of scriptures so you know that I'm not speaking heresy. Some of you don't know me, so turn with me to 1 Corinthians 4. 
Pastor Gillian gave me a great introduction, but that may not have been enough. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I mean, if, if, any, if we play with Matchbox cars, we must be all right, eh? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul's speaking, and he says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. He's written a letter to the Corinthians, and he's calling them children. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. There are such a thing as spiritual fathers, uh, I'm just going to read one more, Galatians 4.19. Paul speaking again, he says, What purpose then does the law serve? Hang on, wrong, wrong, wrong chapter. My little children, for whom I labour in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I can tell you now, as a pastor, sometimes it is like labouring. My wife has had four children. Yes, I'm responsible for all of them. And I, I was there, I tell you what, it is, it is a job. It is a labour job. I thank God for Mark and Remy. Gosh, you're going to be there, mate. You're gonna, you're gonna, she's going to need you. But I tell you what, to, to form Christ in, in our sons is a, a labour-intensive job. It's like labouring. Paul says, I labour till Christ is formed in you. So, so there's this concept of spiritual fathering. It's not, it's not a, a heresy. It's not a, some, some man's idea. It's there in the Word. So, so I'm a natural son. Like, I have a father, I have a dad, right? So I'm a, I'm a son because I have a dad. I, I have a, I'm a son because I have a father. I'm a spiritual son because I have a spiritual father. And if he was here, I'd say, this is him. Right, but he's not here. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor Brian. He's my spiritual father. I I like to refer to him as Papa. If that's a problem for you, that's okay. That's your problem. <laughs> you don't have to call him that. You can call him Pastor Brian. He would say, you know, he's he's named Brian by his parents. But I would encourage you at least call him Pastor Brian. Why? Because there's a sense of honour. But for, for to me. He's, a, he's my spiritual father. He's like a papa to me. So, so I like to refer to him as that. I'll call him Pastor Brian as well. I intermix, all right? So it's like, oh, you're allowed to do that? <laughs> but I want to say that he's not God, and he would be the first person to tell you he's not God. The first person to tell you he's not God. And I'll tell you what, when he, when, when I pray, when I connect with God myself, when I pray and spend time with God and I connect with the Holy Ghost, it's like every time I do, he realigns me. The Holy Ghost realigns me. When I connect with God, his word realigns me. He brings me back onto purpose. He, he realigns me with my destiny. He begins to, to, to refashion where, me in the direction I'm meant to go. You know what? Every time I talk to Pastor Brian, every time I interact with him, every time I hear him, he does the same, even when he's not trying. Why? Because he carries the heart of God for me. Because I, why? Because I'm so special? No, because I've given him that place in my heart. Because that's the man that God's given me. He's the man he's, that God's given me. Him and Pastor Lynn are the man and woman that God's given me. So, so, you know, when I connect with him, something happens. 
something of God happens. And I want to encourage you, something of God can happen when you connect with him too. If you've, if you've been around for any length of time, you should know what I'm talking about. Because it's not, a, it's not a superficial thing. It's not a fluffy thing. I tell you what, that man is tough. We can talk about him because he's not here. He taught me that. He's tough. But you know why, he has, why he's tough? He's not cruel. He's tough. You know why he's going to be tough? Because he's got to try and get you to grow, to become everything God's called you to be. He's got to labour. He's labouring until Christ is formed in you. Why? Because he's fighting things in the Spirit and, he's, and sometimes he has to fight us too. So he's got to be tough. Sometimes I go, mate, I don't know, how, how does he do it? I've got a church of 25 people. That's, that's tough. So I'm like, I don't know how he does it. And I've got good guys, don't get me wrong. But you know what? We've got, to know, we've got to know the God of our Father. It talks about in 2 Kings, I won't read it, because it's a, but you can go back and look at it, 2 Kings. Elisha uh, was walking with, uh, with Elijah, and, and it came to the point, of, it came to Elijah's time where he was called to be taken to heaven. And, and the chariot of fire came down from heaven and took Elijah into heaven. And... Uh, and Elisha tore his clothes and uh, he went to the, he picked up Elisha, Elijah's mantle and he walked to the river and he struck the river and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He didn't ask for God for himself. He didn't ask for, for he had a connection with God. Elisha had a connection with God, but he didn't ask for the connection with God for himself. He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? In this day and hour, you know the thing that's going to change the, the nation, the thing that's going to change sail, the thing that's going to change Gippsland and the nation is sun's rising. It's the father-son model. How do I know that? Because Jesus came to planet earth before he'd done any miracles. He came to the Jordan and he was baptised by John. He had done nothing noteworthy at that stage. And yet the heavens opened and God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The father-son model will change the dynamics and territory that we're living in. It'll change your life. It's changed my life. It continues to change my life. It will change your life and our life until that, such a point that things begin to shift in your life. Is that all right? You're with me so far. I forgot to check the time. Oh, time to finish already. What are we doing here? There you go. That's a good question. Throw that one out at you. What are we doing here? I mean, we come to worship God. That's good. Sing a few songs. Hopefully it's more than that. Worship, create an atmosphere for him. But why are we here? This is an amazing building. Amazing building. And it's a testament to what God has done in this place and in the hearts of people. You know, we're called to build something in this place. Yeah? One person agrees with me. That's good. We're called to build something in this place. You know, we're building more than just a building. The building's good. The building's nice. The building's a, a uh, what's the word? The building is evidence of a dream coming true. But it's just a building. But God's called us to build something greater here. 
God's called us to build lives. I say us because I'm just, I'm, a, I'm as much a part of this as what you are, even if you've never seen me before. Welcome to church this morning. We're building. God's called us to build something. Build something more than just the natural. We're called to build something in the spirit. We're called to build lives. See, lives transform. Lives change. Marriages change. Families change. We're called to build a city. We're called to build a region. You know, I I happened to come across some notes from Dr. Jonathan David to the Gippsland pastors from June 2021. And the first thing he said was, whatever happens in Gippsland will impact the regions roundabout. Whatever happens in Gippsland will impact the regions roundabout. God's interested in Gippsland. God's interested in your life, my life. God's interested in your marriage and your family. God wants to shake this region, shape it, change it. So we're, we're here for something, uh, we're here to build. Now just so you know that I'm not making stuff up, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Is that right? Am I, am I, I'm not talking too fast yet, am I? When I get a bit nervous, I get a bit, go too fast and people go, whoa, I don't know, what are you saying? I'm just trying to relax, slow it down a bit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, we're building something, being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together. What for? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God is building something here. God doesn't just want to visit. God wants to reside in this place. God wants to reside in your life. You know, when we build Him a house, it's not just the building. We're building Him a house in our, in our hearts. And when we come together and we, we come together, it's like we're living, it talks about in Peter that we're living bricks, being connected together and built together. So we're, we're, we're being brought together to be placed together. I don't know if, you, if you've ever seen this, but I've never seen a bricklayer go to lay bricks and had a brick go, no, I don't wanna go there. Put me over there instead. The bricklayer is the man in charge, isn't he? And yet, sometimes as living bricks, we've got a problem with where we're being placed. And sometimes they have to, yeah, they have to whack the brick to get it in place. Sometimes they have to scrape the edge of the brick to get the rough bits off. So if you feel a bit like you're being belted and you feel a bit like you're being scraped, maybe there's just some rough edges coming off. Maybe you're just being put into place. You know, the, the, the thing I know about Pastor Brian and Lynn is, is they never, is never uh, given me a word to hurt me. The heart is to lift me up, to bring me into my best. That's the heart of God. So what are we building? We're, we're, being, we're being built and we're building with God. You know, it says in 
Psalms 127, I believe it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labour, labour in vain. So God's got to do it, right? God's building the house. But we've got to partner with Him. We're called to partner with Him to build Him a house. First of all, you've got to partner with Him to allow Him to have His way in your own heart and your own life. And then what, the, what that does is it qualifies you to partner with Him to help Him build what He wants in, in the church, in the house, in the community, in the city, in the region, in the lives of others. So what are we building? We're part, what are we building? Because it's a we thing. Not a we little thing. A we thing as in you and us and Him, the Holy Ghost, together. We're partnering with the Holy Ghost, but we're also partnering with one another. You getting the idea? Can I say this really plain as day? You will not make it on your own. I will not make it on my own. Every time I get a dumb idea in my head and I just happen to, to lean a little bit to my independence, this wouldn't happen to you because you're good people. But every time I just sort of lean a little bit too far, I find I'm out there on my own. You'll never make it on your own. You know, the Bible talks about one putting to flight a thousand to 10,000. It's not an addition issue, it's a multiplication issue. Bit of maths. There you go, Corey. Got a bit of maths in the message. <laughs> Sons understand this concept of together. Sons understand building together. In, in Genesis 11, just write it down and go, go and read it later. It talks about the Tower of Babel. And it says there that they were building a tower to make a name for themselves. So it wasn't for the right reasons. And they were going to build it into the heavens. And this is before there were many languages on the earth. They all had one language. And God came down to, it says, God came down to look at what they were doing. And you know what God says? God says, nothing will be withheld from them because they work together. They're in this together. They're joined and united together. So he allowed confusion to come to begin to break up their language because what they were doing was inaccurate. But the concept, still, the principle still um, plays, sinks true that when we come together, when we're joined together in unity, when we, it actually says when, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Where we come together in unity and begin to build him what he wants, nothing that we do is stoppable. It becomes unstoppable because we do it together. Here's a big fat question for you How are we communicating? Write it down. How are we communicating? On a scale of one to ten. My, my papa likes to use that. On a scale of one to ten, one being not really very well at all or really honest and open, a ten's being really honest and open, how are we communicating? Firstly, with God, because we need to do that. You know what? God knows everything about you, but he still needs to hear it come out of your mouth. Why? Because when you are honest about what's going on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit knows he can trust you. 
When you're not willing to be honest about what's going on on the inside, the Holy Spirit can't really trust you yet because you're not being honest with yourself. So how are we communicating with God? How are we communicating with Pastor Brian and Lynn? That's all right. Are we being honest? Are we being real? Are we letting him know what's in your heart? Here's a crazy idea. Do you know what's in his heart? How are we communicating? See, communication is a two-way street. Sometimes I get into trouble with my wife because we're having, I think we're having a conversation, but she actually just wants to tell me something. She gets annoyed because I interrupt her. And I thought, I thought we were having a conversation. You don't want to hear what I've got to say. You just want me to listen. Okay, yep. She's a good woman to be stuck with me, I tell you. But communication goes two ways. You see, when we pray, we, we, we should release what's in our heart to God and, and share what's in our heart to God. But we also should receive what's in His heart. Same with Pastor Brian and Lynn. We should be able to be honest about where we're at, what's going on in us, the internal dynamics in our life. But we should also be able to listen and hear what's in their heart. Why? Because they carry the heart of God. They are the, the set man and woman in this house, in this city. You know, not for everyone, but for all those that are called to be with them, yes. So how are we communicating? With God? with Pastor Brian and Lynn? How are we communicating with our brothers and sisters? Oh, do we have to communicate with our brothers and sisters? Yeah, kind of do. You know know you're itching, you're scratching where it's itching because it goes silent. How How are we communicating with our brothers and sisters? How do we grow in sonship? The, the idea is that the concepts is, is sonship, right? How do we grow in sonship? Turn with me to Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfect, perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, that first verse that I read then really troubled me for a long time. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What the? That I may lay hold of that. What's the that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me? Sonship. That I may lay hold of sonship for which Christ Jesus also laid hold. Christ Jesus didn't lay hold of you just for salvation. That was the beginning. That Christ Jesus laid hold of you to, to make you and to bring you, to conform you into the image of His Son, the image of Christ. That I may lay hold of sonship because that's what Jesus laid hold of me for. 
You see, verse 13 says, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. There's this sense you've got to let go and leap forward. It's like, have you ever seen, I don't really watch it much, but I've seen it occasionally. What's it called? Uh, that ninja thing. Ninja warrior. Thank you, Pastor Julian. Avid watcher, obviously. But you see them, or, or any, um, you know, stupid, crazy, extreme sport things like that. If they hold on to their, their current position too much and they hesitate, they, don't, they fall short and they, don't, and they don't reach it. So to be able to reach forward and to reach into and to land where they're going, they've got to fully let go of what they're holding on to, to reach forward for what they can, they can reach forward to. There's, there's got to be this laying down of old ideas. There's got to be this letting go of past concepts. They've got to be, there's got to be this letting go of some old opinions. I heard a great, a great explanation of opinions. Everybody, they're like armpits. Everybody's got one and most of them stink. We've got to let go of some of the old to reach forward and lay hold of the new. Forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting the past hurts, all the things that have kept us down, all those things want to keep you bound and held down and limited. I can't remember the first song that we sung this morning, but I remember it saying something about possibilities. And I want to encourage you this year, 2022 is a year of possibilities. It doesn't have to be a year of the same old, same old. It doesn't have to be a year that, that you get to the end and you look the same as you did when you started. Maybe a bit older and a bit more wrinkly. But you know what? When you are grabbing hold of Christ, when you're allowing the Spirit of God to get a hold of you, you are not going to look the same at the end of the year as you did at the start. You know what? Our attitude and our heart should be, God, change me every time I come into this place. I don't want to leave this place the same. Is that possible? I believe it is. Because every time you meet with Christ, every time you meet with Jesus, every time you connect with the Holy Ghost, He changes you. If we're not being changed, we're doing something wrong. We've got to let forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And even though there's that attitude of letting go and reaching forward, the following verse, he even, he even nails it a bit further. He says, I press toward. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what? It's not your goals. It's not my goals. It's His goals for you and I. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's the upward call. It takes us up out of our natural thinking. It takes us beyond our natural understanding. It takes us beyond our issues. Sometimes we need a tissue for our issue. But then we need to get over it and move on. Let go of the old things and move forward. 
is how you can really advance sonship in your heart. Let go of the old things. You know what? If you don't, if you don't, if you're not sure, have a think about this. How have they helped you? How has holding on to the old things helped you? How has holding on to the baggage of the past helped you? How has it? It hasn't. So we're going to let go of it and move forward. How do you move forward? You say, God, deal with my heart. Have your way in me. Mary said, I don't get it, but let it be done to me according to your word. There's got to be this attitude of, give, you know, have your way in my heart. Take, take, your, take your place, Jesus. So we're talking about sonship. For some of us, sonship we're entering into, it's a new concept, we're, we're entering into it. We're finding our way in it, and that's okay. For some of us, we, we have heard, heard it for a while. We understand it. We know God's doing it in us. And so we want to keep moving towards this place of maturity as sons. So these are characteristics of a mature son. Not every characteristic, but just the ones that the Holy Ghost spoke to me about. Characteristics of a mature son. And you can measure your response. <laughs> we don't like to measure ourselves, do we? We like to think well of ourselves. But if we're honest, we can measure. When we come to church, we go, oh, all of that's left out. That's the worldly way. Now, if you read the scripture, there's a measuring stick. His name is Jesus. We measure our life against his, his character. And he brings us to a point of growth and change. And we've got we to gotta measure our response. So first characteristic of a mature son is they take responsibility for the house. Joe agrees with me. They take responsibility for the house. Thank you, Joe. God bless you. Nehemiah, in Nehemiah, they were building the wall. And, and they had guys, they had a sword in one hand and a, and a trowel or a tool in the other hand. And they were building the wall and they were protecting. You know what? They each had a portion of wall. But you know what? The way they had the city then is their houses or their homes were built into the wall. So every portion of the wall, you know, if it was my portion of the wall that I'm repairing that portion of the wall, this is, this is also my home. This is, this is protective of my home. And it's, it's a prophetic, it's prophetic uh, sign of what God's calling us to do. We're, we're, each, we're each responsible for the house. God's called us as sons to come to a place of maturity, to be responsible for the house. How do you do that? You start with being responsible with your own bit of the wall. Your own life. Take responsibility for your own life. Are you... You know, in a moment's notice, you don't have to tell me. I don't want anyone to tell me. I don't want anyone shouting out stuff. Right? You know straight away where you're at with, with Christ. You know, you know straight away where you're at with God. You know where, whether you need to, to give Him more over. You know whether He's calling you and drawing you closer, but you're resistant. You know whether, whether he's, he's been drawing you for a while and you've been running. If, we're dis if we discern in our own heart, we know, we know on the inside. 
So we've got to take responsibility for where we're at in ourself, in our, in our own life. We've got to take responsibility for your marriage. Can I say, tell you what, I, there's a, there, I've met a number of Christians. They're good people. They love Jesus, but their marriage is a mess. That doesn't glorify God. That doesn't glorify the kingdom. We've got to come back and go, right, we've got to work on what we need to work on. We've got to deal with what we've got to deal with. If you haven't got, if your marriage isn't right, don't worry about trying to fix the other person. Fix what's in you. You know, it's, it's funny because as I was preparing this, I just wrote that down and I felt like, man, I, I just felt like the Holy Ghost hammering it home to me to tell you, we've got to fix this. Your marriages, our marriages should be a guiding light, not, not perfect. None of us are perfect. And everybody's different and everybody's a bit of a different character. So everybody's marriage is a little bit different. So it's not about fitting a mould. Right, I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is we gotta make sure that God is glorified in that place. God's glorified in our marriage. You know, if big whoop-de-doo, if I can come here and honour Pastor Brian, but I can't even honour my own wife. If, if, if my life's a mess at home, you know what? My life's a mess. I can pretend as much as I like on Facebook. And I can come and present a good front for a couple of hours at church on Sunday. I might even do all right to get in a, a midweek meeting as well. But you know, and your wife or your husband know, and I'll tell you what, if you've got kids, your kids know. We've got to get this right. We've got to get this right. God has got to be found in our marriage. The glory of God has got to be found on our marriage, in our relationship, in our communication with one another. You know what? Your words create atmosphere. How you speak to your spouse creates atmosphere. I'm often, my wife is, my wife is a good woman. She'll often say, she'll, she'll challenge me on something. I'll say, no, this is, I said this. That's what you said, but that's not the way you said it. And us blokes, we're good at remembering us ourselves saying something in such a great way. Oh, I love you. When really said, I love you. We've got to get it right. We've got, to, we've got to take responsibility for our life, for our marriage, for our family. Can I also say, when we say take responsibility for the house, it's spiritual and natural. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that it's just spiritual or don't fall into the trap of thinking it's just the natural things that we've got to sort out in the building and get these things right or we've just got to pray. No, they're actually intertwined together. How do I know? Read in Acts chapter 6. They needed people to wait on tables. What was the qualification for waiting on tables? They had to be of good, men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Wow, just to wait tables, man. They must have had one heck of a cafe going on there. And you know what? One of those men was Stephen, who, was, who then went on to be martyred. 
This is the, qu- the calibre of the people they chose to wait on tables. You know, it was a practical thing and yet they said they need to be of good reputation and they need to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. You know, taking responsibility for the house is both natural and spiritual. Natural and spiritual. So that's the first qual- uh, characteristic of a mature son. Secondly, they're accountable. Ooh. There's a word no one ever likes to hear, but especially in church. Accountable. I'm accountable to God. Good on you. Is he, can you see him? Can you be found? Can you be found? You know, in, uh, in Genesis 1, Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were naked, but they didn't know it because they were clothed in the glory of God. Then they sinned. And, they, and the glory was removed and they realised they were naked and they went and hid. And God came into the garden and he couldn't find Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Adam couldn't be found. And he said to him, I, I realised I was naked, so I went, and, I, I went and hid. God didn't say, why are you naked? God didn't say, what are you talking about? God didn't say you've been eating too much pizza. What did he say? He said, who told you? Who told you? There's this connection between not being found and being connected to a different source, being connected to a different frequency. You see, mature sons are accountable. They can, they can be found. That's more, first, the first place is just being present. Physically present. You know, I, I can honestly tell you as a pastor, uh, uh, you, don't, you don't get, um, what's the word? You don't get discouraged and disheartened by what comes at you from outside. You expect that. What wears you down is what happens on the inside, in the house. Can I implore you, be accountable. When Pastor Brian calls a meeting, come. Move everything you have to, everything you possibly can, and even that, what, that which you possibly can't to be there. Make every effort. Why? Oh, they won't know if I'm, I'm not there. No, a father always knows. And you notice. You think that your input is, is only minor. I tell you what, every every minor little input that doesn't show up makes a big impact. We say we've got to be physically present. We've got to be able to be found. But, that's, but it's even more than that. We've got to be connected to the right frequency. You rock up and your head's all over the place and you've got no idea what's going on. You don't know whether it's Sunday or Monday or Wednesday or what's going on. Oh, it's Thursday morning. I just, I just woke up. I just got to get into the prayer meeting to be there. And then Pastor Brian goes, you can lead this morning. <laughs> What? Because he does that from time to time. I'm a pastor and he still does it to me. So we've got to be present. We've got to be found. But we've also got to be connected to the right frequency. Don't be unclothed or exposed because you're connecting to the wrong source. You know, don't be afraid to rise to everything God's called you to be because he's put it in your heart. 
Don't think you're being proud to, to rise to become what God's called you to be. No, He's calling sons to rise. Can you allow the growth of Christ to be measured in you? <laughs> Can you allow the growth of Christ to be measured in you? Don't try and do it on your own. Let someone help you. We've got the greatest, you know, some of the greatest men and women in this place, the greatest man and woman in this place to help you, to, to coach you, to train you, to lead you. You know, a coach doesn't play for you. A coach stirs you on, gives you strategy, but then you've got to actually play the game. So we're going to take responsibility for the house. We're going to be accountable. And thirdly, the third characteristic of a mature son is we're going to deal with internal dynamics. We've got to deal with the internal, internal dynamics. Hey, we've all got them. We've all got them. You know, I realised for me many, many, many years ago, public enemy number one and public enemy number two for me was comfort and offence. I had to deal with comfort. Part of it was my upbringing. Part of it was family culture. Part of it was just what, what I allowed in my own heart. And so these were particularly two of the, of the major internal dynamics I had to deal with. Comfort and offence. You see, comfort keeps you out because it's too hard. It's too much. They're asking too much. Pastor Brian, he's so demanding. Pastor Julian's much nicer. <laughs> he just has a nicer way about him. Pastor Brian's so tough because he has to deal with you all the time. But comfort keeps us out. It keeps us out. It's like, oh, look, you know, I was supposed to go tonight, but I just can't. Tired. I've had a big day at work. <laughs> We've all had big days at work. How can we take a nation when we can't even get up for a prayer meeting? We're kidding ourselves. And then we'll bellyache to one another going, oh gosh, our nation, man, we need, to, we need to change and our nation needs to change. You know how it's going to change? By people showing up to the prayer meeting. By busting out of our comfort level. So comfort keeps you out. Offence keeps us apart. See, when I get offended with John, I withdraw. And I and there's a separate line of separation between us. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard or keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You know, circumstances and situations you cannot change most, most often. Life throws you a curveball. There's things that are outside of our control. But you know what? It's not the things from the outside that determine how you live your life. It's the response that happens to those things on the inside. 
We've got to guard our heart with all diligence. When, when things happen that, that, that are outside of our control, that just hit us, you know, th- sometimes things happen in life and just buffet you. How, do you. how do you respond? How do we respond to that? That determines, our response determines our direction. Our response determines how we behave, how we enact, how we interact with that situation. That's the thing that affects us the most. When a brother does you wrong, how do you deal with that? Bury it and move forward. That's helpful. For a time. You don't deal with it, it'll come up. There's a, there's a proverb about I think it's a proverb about the little foxes destroying, coming and destroying the vine. Just a little bit nibble here, a little nibble there, a little nibble over there. Until before you know it, there's no, the fruitfulness of your life has been, has been diminished because of how we responded to what's going on around us. I really believe in this season of time, God's calling the church. Yes, the church is a general whole, but... This body of believers, he's calling us to rise to another level. You feel it in the atmosphere. He's calling us to rise into another level of sonship, to a new place. That's not for others, that's for all of us. That's for you. Every one of us can go to another level, every one of us can step in a bit further. And no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you've given, there's always another level to go. You know, let me, let, let, let me remove the, 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 uh, the struggle for you. There'll be another level to get, be given to the day that you move over into eternity. <laughs> but I've already given it all. And then you find there's, oh, there's a little bit more. Just got to give over a little bit more. You know, we, we are being drawn, drawn into this place of sonship. There's a lot of things that you can do, but I tell you what, sonship will change your life. How much are you giving over? You know, it's all about our heart response. It's all about our heart response. You know what? You, you can make a mistake. I can make a mistake. We can miss it. It's not, a, it's not the issue. It's not the deal. We can fix that. But how we respond in our heart, that's the issue. How we come back and come to a place of softening our heart before God and before the, the man that God's put before us to say, hey, Maybe it reminds me of, of uh, <laughs> I don't know why, it reminds me of the Fonzie from Happy Day. He couldn't, he's, one day he had to say he was wrong. Oh, sorry, I think. <laughs> I'm sick. Some of us have that same struggle. We can't say we're sorry. We can't say we were wrong. We can't say we messed up. But we've got to be able to come to that place. 
to be honest with ourselves and honest with our father and honest with our, uh, our brothers and sisters and say, hey, I missed it. I let the team down. I wasn't there, but I'm going to endeavour to be. You know, if you're in the wall, if you're on the wall at Nehemiah's wall and you're fighting and the guy next to you on this side is fighting and the guy on this side has decided he's just not going to play a game, he's not going to play ball, that doesn't just affect him because it's right next to you. We rise or we fall together. We succeed or we fail together. It's a together thing. And God's calling us all to rise to a new level of sonship. Amen? That's it. No one came up to play the keyboard after I finished. FTR, Pastor Jules. No. <laughs> Further training required. It's all right, Liesl. Um, thank you. How were they to know? Sorry for finishing so abruptly. It was my fault. Hey, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's it's not a nice message. It's not a, it's not a ear tickling message. It's a sobering message. But I want you, I want it, I want it to be, you know, I want you to be not not feel slapped. Hopefully, you don't feel slapped by it. Because the reality is, Christ laid hold of us so that we would rise into sonship. Where you're at, where everyone is at, every, everyone's at a different level, but wherever you're at this morning, there's more. There's another level. There's another level that God wants you to go. There's another place for God to take, that God wants to take you to. And you know what? If you look around, God wants to take you there with those that are around you. We've got to walk our own journey. And sometimes on, that, on the course of that journey, you can feel like you're alone. But the truth is, the reality is, there's a whole bunch of people around us that are walking their journey too. And we've got to make sure that we're doing this together, walking this together. Aussies are independent by nature we can't be you know the moment that we walked through that door and we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour we entered a different kingdom there's a different culture to the kingdom of heaven we're going to let go of our independence you know that's for some of us it scares the living daylights out of us because that means I have to trust someone else I have to begin to, you know, trust someone else with with this move forward. I can't just do it on my own. 
You know what? There's this call. There's this Anzac call for us, the Anzac spiritual army. When they went to war, they did it. They, they, they fought side by side for their brother. They didn't do it alone. They did it. They fought and they fought for the ones next to them. God's calling us to rise to, to that place where, we're, where we remove the independence. We allow the Holy Spirit to continue to remove that independent element out of our heart so that we begin to walk this journey with one another to a deeper degree, deeper level. When one rises, we all rise. When one falls, we all fall. This is the new place that God's called us to go to. You see, sons, fathers and sons are going to change the environment. We're going to change the landscape of our nation. Sonship rising in our hearts, that's what's going to change. Some will be called into business, some will be called into other areas, other domains, into education. We need to go to those places, we need to be in those places. But the answer is not found in those places. The answer is found in rising, in the sonship rising in our heart and being connected together and supporting one another in it and being with one another in it, standing with one another in it in whatever way we can. Amen, why don't you just stand this morning? Why don't you just close your eyes, raise your hands. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. Lord God, for the spirit of sonship. Lord God, that you have on this house. Lord God, thank you, Lord God, that the spirit of sonship has been released over this place. The mantle of fathering and sonship. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, we'd find that, that connection. We'd connect with that, that dynamic in a new and a real way this morning. From, from the person who's quite new and just getting the idea of the concept to those that have been here for a, a long time, Lord God, take us further. Take us deeper. Let us understand not just the concept, but let it be so birthed in our heart. Birth it in us to it so that another generation rises. Birth it in us that we carry legacy in our heart. God, I thank you for that prophetic word, Lord God, that in this church, that a generation would rise and they'd, give, they'd lay their life down for the city and city after city would fall. Lord God, I thank you that we're coming into that time of fulfilment of that prophetic word.
God, I pray You'd make us that generation. Let us be so connected to what You're doing in this place, what You're doing in the hearts of our our Father, in the hearts of, of one another, that we connect with it. Have your way in us, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.